to the line and out and maybe a breakaway. Here's Schmidt. He's in all alone. Cameron Schmidt to the back end. Scores! Eight o'clock on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Alvin Brev of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Vancouver Giants head coach Manny Viveros is going to join us in just a moment here to kick off hour three. Hour three is brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews. Sore feet, what are you waiting for? Kintech, that's what. Vancouver Giants are on a bit of a heater right now. Next home game is Friday, February 16th. That's two days from now at home against the Portland Winterhawks. Joining us now to talk a little more Giants is their head coach, Manny Viveros, here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Manny. How are you? Good, guys. I'm doing fine. Thank you. Uh, I mentioned you guys are on a bit of a heater right now going into this home game against Portland on Friday. Uh, what's been the key to success the last little bit? Well, I just think, guys, uh, you know, we just, our, our group has just matured uh, throughout the season. I, I think uh, what really brought our group together was that Eastern swing we went out there against uh, some really good teams. And our kids, uh, you know, they really they really gelled and came together. And they really started to understand um, you know what it takes for us to uh, to be successful in this league, and also you know for a lot of young players, uh, you know you know how how tough this league is. They've learned uh, you know you know how to prepare themselves and get themselves ready to play in this league here too. And and certainly uh, we made some key additions to our group around the trade deadline and just before that also too that certainly strengthened our team. What is the toughest building in the dub to go into? Well, you know what, uh, Seattle for one, that's for sure. They're, they're that's a quite an intimidating place uh, to get into as far as that. It's pretty full most of the time, too, and they can munch it pretty hard, too. But there's a, there's a number. Prince Albert's another one. Uh, certainly, it's a, you know, certainly a, a difficult place to play. But also, I, I think Vancouver, too, is not uh, – it's a great place to come in, great venue, but it's uh, not an easy place to play for uh, you know, visiting teams. But it's, uh, that's something we certainly want as far as uh, uh, for your home team advantage. So how does a team bond on the road in the WHL? Well, you have no choice. <laughs> some hours on the bus. Bond or uh, kill each other, basically. <laughs> yeah. No, I think over a week, that's when you start to, you know, the nerves start to rattle a little bit, though. But, no, it's, it, it, that part's good. The kids get to spend some time on the bus, and, you know, they're, they're having fun. They're, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're playing games or, or cards and just having some fun. And then, you know, we get some time on the road also, too, with our days off where the kids are, we try to get them busy by doing something together as a, as a group and that, though. But it's, uh, that part is, is good. You know, instead of coming at home, sometimes you go to practice. Uh, you're going to the you're going home. You've got schoolwork, but here you're together for for quite a while. And uh, it, for me, it's uh, it's really important for these kids to have a chance to get to know each other more. Um, do you ever go full dad mode on the bus? Like, do you ever have to be like, everyone, shut up, just be quiet. I am tired of you talking. <laughs> pretty well on a pretty well on a daily basis. But, uh, <laughs> Thankfully, I have some other guys who uh, take that role. Of my, uh, for me, that's uh, our trainer does. Uncle, uh, he's pretty good at that, at keeping the kids in line. <laughs> who are some? Who are some of the bigger personalities on your team in terms of the players? Oh, uh, you know. Gronick, uh, you know, Gronny, uh, he was out for quite a while with an injury. He's back again, though, but he's, I call him the locker room lawyer. 
Um, he's pretty well in every conversation. He's a young man can carry five different conversations at once, and uh, it, but all in a good way. Just an awesome, awesome young man too, and a lot of fun to be around though. But there's uh, we have a few guys uh, that uh, you know bring a lot of energy to our group here, but all in a positive way. We're speaking to uh, Vancouver Giants head coach Manny Viveros here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, there's an old hockey adage that the game is really simple. If my goalie's better than your goalie, I win more games than you do. Uh, so you got Brett Mirawald. He's now been named Western Hockey League Goalie of the Week three times this year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 20-year-old guy. I didn't. I don't think a lot of people knew a ton about him going into this year. Uh, what's made him so good this particular season, winning WHL Goalie of the Week three times? Well, I, I think, guys, just his calmness in the net. You know, again, I can, uh, Paul Fricker has done a remarkable job uh, with our goaltending, uh, especially with uh, Brett Mirwald. And not only that, there's a history of, uh, you know, really good goaltenders that come through this organization here. But, um, you know, Mirzi's um, Mir- had an opportunity the first time in his career to start. And I think the biggest thing for him, from what I understand, because I obviously wasn't here last year, is that he put the work in the summer to get himself into a, a number one starters conditioning and he came back in great shape. Um, you know, the heavy load that he's been uh, having to, uh, you know, withstand this year proves that the young man's in, in really good condition here. And uh, But just the fact that, you know, how much he competes, um, his attitude, his calmness that he has in net, I think is invaluable for a goaltender. He doesn't get rattled very often. And, uh, you know, he's uh, if he happens to ever let in a goal that's, you know, uh, he's not happy with. I, I know for a fact that won't happen again. That's a really good sign for a young goaltender. Is that how you respond after something doesn't uh, go your way? And that's something that's been really, really uh, important for our group. And and you could see that with our group uh, over the last little while here. We have a tendency of uh, not a tendency, but of an ability to come back from being down one or two goals, which is uh, really you know, important for our group here to know that even though we're down a couple goals, that we have the ability. He's going to he's going to lock the door, and we're going to get the chance to get back again. Uh, you mentioned that you weren't here last year, and that's of course because you were coaching uh, Vegas's AHL affiliate in Henderson. Now, um, Phil Kessel, I don't know uh, how close. I know you're obviously closely tied to the NHL team last year. Obviously, the AHL NHL connection, but uh, Phil Kessel is now here. He's on his way to AHL Abbotsford. Uh, there's a lot of uh, a lot of intrigue about the player, obviously, because of his storied NHL career. Do you have any memories or anecdotes or anything from last year regarding what Phil Kessel did now that he's in the later stages of his career with the Vegas Golden Knights? Well, the one thing I, I, I've uh, found out about Phil, um, you know, but not being there on a daily basis, is how much the players embraced him in the dressing room. Uh, he was, uh, you know, from what I heard, was one of the most popular players in the room. He was a no matter how intense or how uh, you know how things were going with that group, whether good or bad, uh, he had a way of uh, you know lightening up the room, which is really important to have a veteran player like that, especially who's gone through it before, especially in the playoffs. And you know, obviously that team was so deep last year that he wasn't able to get in uh, throughout the you know the, the main part of the playoffs here. But I think having that experience, uh, that guys who've been there before. Um, that, uh, you know, they can help some of these young guys who haven't been there before. So, and obviously, you know, they know him better than anybody. Rick Tonkin's had him in Pittsburgh before, though, but this guy's a winner. Uh, he's won in Pittsburgh and he won last year in uh, in uh, Las Vegas. So anytime you can add a guy with that type of experience who won before is invaluable. Tell us a bit about locker room dynamics and <clears throat> what you'd like to see in terms of the room. What kind of characters 
winning hockey teams have? Well, I, I think the common theme that you look at all teams that uh, that are successful that have uh, you know been lucky enough to or fortunate enough to win a championship is that that locker room is is free and clear of any type of uh, um, you know agendas so to speak uh, guys are all there for one reason and it doesn't matter whether you're a young player or an old player you have an opportunity to speak your your opinion your mind and feel comfortable in that room there but having said that though you're going to have to have a group of leaders a leadership group here that also i will always say make sure that everything's in order here so that's something for me is my experience here is uh whether it's in, in Western Hockey League or in the American Hockey League, if you have a, a group of leadership groups that, um, you know, they're still sending the same message and on the same page as the coaching staff. So when we're not there, they're still, for me, the most part is they're, they're, they're I would say, policing or also controlling or holding each other accountable. And um, when you have that in a healthy environment, um, it's amazing what a, a group of young men can accomplish. What does holding accountable, holding others, your teammates accountable look like? Because it can't be like just yelling at each other to play better. No, I don't think it's, 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 it's not yelling, but it's still maybe talking to somebody and, and saying, say, okay, this is not how we do things around here. But I think the most important part of that is leading by example. And I think that's, uh, you know, you, you can't have 15 guys that are all raw, raw guys that are always everybody talking at the time. But most importantly, you got to have guys who lead by example. And I think that tends to weed itself out throughout the season. And guys sometimes have more, carry more weight within the room and stuff like that. So the certain players, certain group of players say some things, sometimes that resonate a lot more with, within the team. Or that. But I totally agree with what you, uh, you just mentioned. So the Vancouver Giants' next home game is on Friday night against Portland. Then it's a Monday afternoon matinee, 2 o'clock on Family Day at the Langley Events Center against Spokane. So a chance to go out and watch a couple games over the long weekend. Uh, Manny, best of luck with the weekend games. I hope it all goes well, and we'll do this again soon. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure. Yeah, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. That's Manny Viveros, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. I love doing uh, anything Giants-related because I got Laddie in my ear mm. dropping all kinds of knowledge, including was you did the expected goals. Yeah, Brett Merwald leads the WHL in expected goals saved above average, which is makes him essentially the best goalie in the league so far. Mm-hmm. Very impressive. Okay. I'm always curious about it. what holding each other accountable in a locker room actually looks like. Right, because we don't here at the Halford and Bruff Show. There's a lack of accountability. Well, A-Dog's way out of control. He needs to we'll, we'll, we'll get into like yelling matches sometimes, believe it or not. It's true. Often well, at the break. Yeah. Um, but like that shows... Yelling, then crying. Yeah, like there's a complete lack of composure yeah. behind <laughs> yeah, the scenes on true. the show. And that's probably what you don't want in the dressing room. And I, and I think, you know, I, I think it was interesting what Rick Tockett said about Phil Kessel... Um, he said, there's still value in Phil. Mm-hmm. So I would have loved to have been there for a follow-up question in like, what do you mean by that? What is the value? Do you mean- the Intangibles. Pure, do you mean purely, well, don't put words in Rick Tockett's mouth. I'm just, well, maybe A-dog. that's what it is. Real lack you, of accountability you sounded, there. You sounded the leadership. very confident there. We're going to start yelling at you. Intangibles, leadership. Good for calling him out. So does he, yeah, we have to hold each other accountable yeah. here. Um, does he mean that he still can play or because we're all struggling with the, the question of like, where does the guy fit? In we the got lineup? what? 14 goals last year, right? 
14 goals, was that it? Yeah, 14 goals and 32 points. With 12 minutes per games. game of ice time. But is the value, here's the question, is the value more on ice or off the ice? Off, off. 100%. Off. He was a um, positive influence black ace on a Stanley Cup winner. Mm-hmm. I think that's you know how I think Tocca, what it is. Can you, you know how Tockett has always said, like, we got a bit of a quiet room. Yeah. And I wonder if he still feels that way. Like, I think Quinn Hughes has done a terrific job as captain, and I'm sure, I'm sure JT isn't quiet in there. Phil Kessel I, turns Petey into a party animal. <laughs> Can you imagine? He's completely alone. That, that would actually be a movie I watched. Like these two guys were forced to go on some sort of road trip together. Yeah, they became True. the best of friends. Yeah, and Petey was really drawn out of his shell. Yeah. Well, I I think that it, uh, <laughs> it would be really funny. Though. That would be a good. Buddy that would comedy, be a actually. great buddy comedy. Very funny. And somehow they also became cops. Yeah, yep. yeah, maybe okay. in the sequel. Um, and they got a dog in the yeah, trilogy yeah. part. Anyway. Okay, but also it would be nice to have feel like when the in- inevitable injury happens in a long playoff run, assuming they go on one, sure. it's nice to have that veteran experience that you could just slot in there, right? I'm going to tell you, I would not expect a lot on the ice. No, I that yeah, would, that's, yeah. Like, I know you're, that's fair I, to say. Yeah, like what you're suggesting is like, even if he does... Well, I man- agreed with you. I said more off the ice than on. Like, here's the thing. Last year, he was a healthy scratch for Vegas despite having, you know, played hockey all year. Mm-hmm. Like, he's been off the ice for almost 12 full months. So yeah. there's the whole uh, getting back in rhythm sort of thing. Well, that's why he's going to Abbey. They're like, we've got to make sure this guy can still... Yeah, but he's going to Abbey for like two days. They're was really just true? making sure that he can play at this point. Yeah. I don't think they were looking for a super high level at Abbotsford. They just mm-hmm. want to make sure that it's like, oof, that doesn't look good. Like, I, that that's my impression of this. But if you look at it... I think you, you need characters on, on your team. I just think that there's going to be something where it's... I, I, I phrased it earlier as nothing ventured, nothing, nothing gained. It's a no low-risk, mm-hmm. high-reward. Like, what's the worst thing that happens here? Is they take a look and they're like, this isn't going to work. But you, I don't think there's any concerns about chemistry because the guy just... He's one of those guys that just kind of... He wants to be around hockey. Loves hockey. He likes hockey, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice guy. What was it? Nice guy loves the game, works hard. Yeah, That's Phil exactly. Kessel, right? Well, he just wants to be yeah. there. No, maybe, right? maybe not the works hard part, but I think he does. I think he does in his own. Yeah, way. I'm just kind of. Yeah, he loves to play. Like I mean, we've got all. I mean, and all these people texting in the hot dogs thing. Like I get the gag, but you know that that was completely debunked. Yes, it's right? just a meme at this point. It's just yeah. a meme. Like there's it's, nothing it's to no it. Truth. Kessel himself was dunking on it. There's yeah. nothing to it. It's just he's. I mean, he just looks. Like, he's not athletic. But here's the thing. He's remarkably athletic. Yeah. He's more athletic than you. And it doesn't matter who's listening right now. I'm telling you right now. Yeah. Whoever you are listening, Phil Kessel's a better athlete than you. He is Woody Harrelson and white men can't dunk. Jump. Jump. White men can't jump. <laughs> well, we'd hold him accountable. Right, right. Yeah, There's yeah. some accountability. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I'll take the chump. Looks can be deceiving, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, he can shoot. But he does dunk at the end, doesn't he? I think that's the final scene. No. Does he? He does a no. final dunk. I thought he, he loses does. all his money. Then the credits roll. I yeah. thought he, he dunked right in the end, though. He loses all his money, and Rosie Perez leaves him because, yeah, he just was too stubborn. Oh, oh, I'm, I think, think he I'm thinking Space Jam. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the accountability. His arm gets really long, and then he dunks it. Isn't that? The Monstars. Oh, that's, that's the yeah, right? <laughs> and then they win the Indiana State title. No, that's Hoosiers. Um, okay. Uh, Andrew and Victoria text in. Does Bruff yell at Halford to keep him in line and to improve his professional level? How do you know it's Bruff yelling at Halford? It's Bruff. Ah, come on. How do you know it's not I've Halford yelling heard at Halford everyone? Yell. I've known him for quite a while now. I'm not sure I've ever heard Halford actually yell, yell. 
I've oh, heard his voice I, raise. I guess a you haven't played soccer with him. Well, I have not. That's I've heard right. his voice raise a little bit, but not like full out yell. You know when Homer explains it to Lisa that you ball up all that anger yeah. into your stomach <laughs> and then you throw a beer bottle at an umpire? That's that was kinda, a wh- whiskey bottle. Yeah, yeah. That's like kind of. Do you remember that, honey? With the yeah. Whiskey bottle. Remember, remember that? That's kind of me. I know none of it's here. All of it is reserved. There's an outlet that I have, which is great. Right. Mm-hmm. So okay. Um, we've got a few minutes to break here. We should do our what we learns, and then we can open it up to the humanoids on the other side. I have uh, basketball what we learned. Um, and uh, it, Jag, intern Jag, I'm sorry if you have an NBA one, but this is definitely going to trump whatever you do for the NBA because this caught me so off guard this morning when I came in. So did you? I don't know if you saw this this morning, but there was a Woj bomb uh, post trade deadline because trade deadline in the NBA is come and gone, right? So Woj dropped this one this morning. It's getting a ton of traction online. The, the trade deadline on Thursday included an owner-to-owner conversation between the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers in a very passionate but ultimately unsuccessful bid to trade LeBron James to the Golden State Warriors to pair him up with Steph Curry. Wow. And this got leaked in great detail, I might add. So I have a million questions. One, who's doing the leaking? Because Woj has like every intimate detail mm-hmm. of this situation. To share some of the details. Okay, so uh, Golden State owner Joe Lakeup reached out to Lakers owner Jeannie Buss. That's how this whole thing got started. And they wanted to know if LeBron's public frustrations was going to manifest itself into, okay, I'm willing to try something new. Mm-hmm. Right? Take a shot in the dark. Why sure. not? Then it got down to uh, Warriors GM Mike Dunleavy Jr., who went out and reached out to Lakers GM Rob Palinka. So it went from the owners to the general managers, right? Now, Palinka shot it down. But the interesting thing was is that I guess these back-channel conversations made their way around the league to the point where <laughs> the Philadelphia Philadelphia 76ers. Le- uh, yeah, LeBron's available. Yeah, everyone was there, like, <laughs> wait a minute. I need to get in on this action, right? <laughs> so Philadelphia 76ers president of basketball apps, Daryl Morey, then he called to see about LeBron, right? Mm-hmm. But then Palenka said, sure, give me Joel Embiid. So it's an amazing 24 hours in the NBA. Right. where, yeah. And then Daryl Morey was like, no, 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 I need... Embiid, because that's who LeBron's going to play with. And then yeah. Palenka was like, this conversation's over. So um, it's a very interesting dynamic. I mean, I, remove the Philadelphia angle. Mm-hmm. You've got two teams that have been underwhelming, to put it mildly, this year in the Lakers and the Warriors. You've got the Warriors, and this is real. This is a real Hail Mary, fourth and 42. We're trying anything right. to keep the last vestiges of the dynasty alive. Mm-hmm. We're gonna trade for LeBron James, and fourth, fourth and thirty nine, because that's how old he yeah, is. Yeah, exactly. Right, better, better analogy there. Better, better pun. <laughs> better play on words. Um, now I know Woj is the preeminent insider. All due respect to Shams and everything, but the amount if you go to ESPN.com, the amount of detail and the amount of sources that gave him all the intel here, regardless if it's accurate or not, it just speaks to I guess one the desperation level. Two, the dysfunction, and three, not necessarily how close that it got, but it kind of underscores like you know when we go. I'll, I'll use this in the the NHL parallel. Like Merrick always says on his show, you'd be amazed at the amount of conversations that NHL general managers have about guys. Like there are conversations that they will have about trades that would blow your mind because if you're not discussing everything, why don't they not make your... more of them then? I know. Well, it's the, sal- such it's the salary cap. No, right? it's not. They're conservative. Well, too. there is that too. 
right? And the players. The players are like, I don't want to move. Well, I got my it, stuff here. It sounds like uh, LeBron didn't want to move. I think that's another conclusion. Like, he wants to remain a Laker. I think if it – I mean, if he would have – let's say in a hypothetical world, he would have given the green light to this thing. I mean, there's no guarantee that it works. Because I don't know how many Golden State Warriors games you've watched this year, but it is really – Steph Curry, and then some other dudes. But might as well around. try it, right? Yeah, I'm just not sure it would uh, actually work. Like, I don't know if they're even... Well, it's not, it's, it's not working for either team right No, now, I know, so and that's a thing. Try something else. It's just like, would you even be remotely close? Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure that they would. Like, they're 11th in the, in the Western Conference right now, the Warriors are. Like, it would be... They'd be better, without right. question. But I'm not sure that puts you in contention to, you know, do something in the playoffs. Anyway, yeah. Mukau that. It was an interesting morning in the NBA. Um... I've got a few Major League Baseball stadium updates in my What We Learned. Ooh, everyone, lo- what we learned. everyone loves stadium uh, updates. I believe the plural is stadia. Right. That's Thank right. you. Uh, the Arizona Coyotes of Major League Baseball, otherwise known as the Oakland A's, might <laughs> extend their lease in Oakland after all. Not long term, but you know how the A's have this uh, plan to um, build this stadium in Vegas. Yeah, I've heard a thing or two about it. Um, but the stadium wouldn't be ready until 2028 before their proposed ballpark opens in Vegas. So they're not even over the finish line there. And I know the mayor of Las Vegas said a few things that were interesting. They're like, this location doesn't even work. Like, I don't, I don't know. They should just try in Oakland. Um, so it sounds like they did a big tour of AAA parks in Sacramento and Salt Lake City. Thank God they are the Oakland. They are the Arizona Coyotes. Well, because I was going to say, what <laughs> a, what other zombie team has there been? Now this would be a different level of zombie because they'd be officially leaving. Yeah, like the Coyotes are still grasping on to hope that they're staying. They're going to they're gonna both move temporarily to Salt Lake City. Um, apparently, Oracle Park is that San Francisco's park now. Yep. Um, was also considered a possibility at least for a portion of the A's home schedule. But I think they just realized that, and this is, I'm reading, I'm going to just read the ESPN report here. Uh, By staying at the Coliseum, the A's would remain in their market and continue receiving regional sports network checks per their contract with NBC Sports California, which amounted to $67 million last year. And that deal runs through 2034. So, that's covers the, the whole payroll. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, though, I don't like. How long can you actually do this for without really damage? I mean, yeah, the we, don't, been, we don't. We don't need. We're just tarping the whole stadium. We don't even need fans. You there. literally sell zero tickets. That would be funny. It's like, frankly, it's dangerous to come here. Yeah, please don't. You like, shouldn't. None of the, the toilets work. The Coyotes are trying to rally their fans, get everyone behind. The A's are actively at war with their fan base. So yeah, the, the Houston, do not. Care. The Houston Oilers played one full season in Houston after they announced that they were moving. Mm-hmm. Right, and um, I remember it like it was '96, and then they actually applied to get the move done faster because like we can't do this again for a full year. Like there was one game where only fifteen thousand people showed up. Every like the, the attendance was terrible. No one wanted to do it. Now I can't like the A's can't drag this out for like three or four years in Oakland. I mean, because then you just sewer the franchise. Like at that point, it's like who would ever. I don't know if you can be completely irrelevant and have no fans for that long. Well, what 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 is the alternative? I don't know. Yeah, you have you maybe you have to find a third party location. Go to Montreal. Uh, so the other bit of uh, stadium news is the Kansas City Royals are planning to build a new ballpark, and it's going to be in downtown Kansas City, 
which actually isn't as impressive as it sounds, but it's still downtown compared to where their stadium is right now. Oh, nowhere. Where's it right now? Uh, it's southeast it's like Tornado of, Alley. <laughs> of the city. Yeah. Hasn't <laughs> been successful. <laughs> yeah. So it's right by the Chiefs Stadium. They've got this facility where it's Kauffman Stadium and Arrowhead Stadium right beside each other. So both teams are excited about this. The Royals, obviously, because they're planning to build a new ballpark and it's going to be downtown. And it's actually going to be right next to that hockey basketball arena that they've built. I don't know what it's called now, maybe T-Mobile or something like that, um, that you know still doesn't have a full-time sports tenant, I don't think, uh, but has often been bandied about as a potential home for an NHL team. And the Chiefs are excited because I imagine they will demolish Kauffman Stadium or at the very least pare it down a lot. Maybe right. they'll turn it into... I don't know, some sort of smaller baseball field, a college team can play there. I, I don't know what the plans are, but basically the Chiefs were saying, okay, now we've got a bigger tailgate experience. Maybe they can build one of those big bars. You know, in Philly, they had, uh, they've had they got all the stadiums there. They've got the baseball, football, the situation and in Philly the arena really there. Good. But they've also got like this massive bar where you can go. So yeah, they can a- put Xfinity big- Live. Right. Yeah, we yeah, like yeah. it. It's great. It, yeah. It's hard to describe. I know he's trying to describe it. It's like, it is like a massive. Isn't it like an entertainment complex? It's like a food court. Kinda, it's like yeah, a food yeah. court of bars. They've got one in St. Louis too that has like a nightclub in it and everything. Mm-hmm. And and like everyone goes to it because there isn't much else to do in St. Louis. And I imagine Kansas City is kind of similar <laughs> to St. Louis. So there's your Major League well, Baseball stadium update. Well, Laddie so, has one more thing. Well, yeah, to if Kaufman closes, that turns the Rogers Center into now the sixth oldest stadium in MLB. Yep. Right. And but that it, includes names like Fenway and Wrigley ahead of them <laughs> on the list. Rogers Center is not that. But I got so. a facelift, so it's all good. It is. They got yeah. new fences and a bar. They're good. There's a third stage coming next summer. Right. right. Or next winter. And the fourth stage is building a new stadium. Yeah, getting <laughs> out of there yeah. entirely. Uh, give us a moo on that. Get you what we learned into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We got a $100 gift certificate to Bridge Brewing on the line for best what we learn. Use the beer emoji to be entered into that contest you're listening to the halford and bruff show on sportsnet 650 just squeeze your rage into a bitter little ball and release it at an appropriate time like that day i hit the referee with a whiskey bottle remember that when daddy hit the referee yeah big opinions and good bets it's the people's show with big nazar be sure to subscribe on apple spotify or wherever you get your podcasts my favorite part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.33 on a Valentine's Day Wednesday. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. Halford Ruff, Sportsnet 650. Remember I had that, that brief run where I would uh, lock up a bunch of dinner reservations for Valentine's Day? Yeah. I would try and hawk them online. Tickets here! That was a dark time. Do you remember uh, when you got it wrong that Woody Harrelson didn't? Dunk and white men can't jump. 
Remember when you called it White Man Can't Dunk? <laughs> white Man Can't Jump? He did dunk. It all calm. I'm reading it right Ruff's here. like, I'm it, watching the movie right it now. It all culminates with Billy finally dunking. And apparently, uh, in <laughs> when they were recording it, the hoop had to be lowered to nine and a half feet. But he did have some hops. He couldn't quite dunk on a regulation 10-foot right, hoop. The crux of the movie is that him and Wesley Snipes win the money, and they become friends. And he's got the money to pay off Rosie Prez's and, and their debt. Two, two different conversations, though. I said he did finally dunk, and he and you said no, he didn't. Because my okay, I don't remember. I guess that was like at the very end when the credits were rolling or something. Maybe it was B roll. No, stuff. it was a big part of the movie. I don't think it was. Was it? Who knows? Who's to say? By the way, I watched nine seconds of the reboot. It is horrible. There's a reboot. Yeah, Jack Harlow is. Uh, the Woody Harrelson. Say no more. Really what? Well. Yeah. You know about this. Yeah, it's not good. I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but Jack Harlow can't act. Yeah, I didn't know that he was uh, even thinking about being an actor. Yeah, he shouldn't have. Well. It's not good. Everything sounds... You can actually see his eyes going to the top of his head trying to remember his lines. Like, that's <laughs> that level of acting. Do you know the crazy Woody Harrelson movie fact that always blows people's minds when I tell it to them? Tell me. His dad was an actual hitman. He won't talk about it though. Yeah, he went to jail yeah. for. He he maintains that his judge. dad was innocent and was set up. He won't talk about it because he thinks it'll get him in trouble. This is true. It's a crazy thing. We're learning a lot right now, including the ending to a thirty-year-old movie. Uh, and then Jack Harlow wants <laughs> an Jack acting Harlow. career. Okay, uh, what we learns? We're gonna go a dog, and then we're gonna go intern Jag and Laddie. Are you in or out on? I'm this skipping. Side? Okay, uh, a dog. Three, two, one. Tell us what you learned. Mine is a little sad, but it caught my eye yesterday. Uh, Bill Post, who is the inventor of the Pop-Tart, passed away yesterday at the age of 96. Now, Bill Post, he began working at Keebler Bakery back when he was 16. About 20 years later, he was approached by Kellogg's to help develop a new product, a pastry that could be toasted. His work led to the creation of Pop-Tarts in 1964. The initial flavors developed were strawberry, blueberry, apple currant, and brown sugar cinnamon. Now, as many on Twitter yesterday might have seen my tweet, at AndyCole1984, I ate 12 Pop-Tarts in his honor, and then blacked out. <laughs> Fun fact, do you know what the original name of the Pop-Tart was? What? The Fruit Scone. Really? Yeah. I, I like that. it. Yeah. Like, Despite, we, need to, we need to jazz this up a little yeah. bit. Just need to appeal to the British crowd. <laughs> I someone... present to you the Fruit Scone. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, does it have any fruit in it? No. Is it a scone? Also, no. Back to the drawing board we go. Anyway, rest in peace to Bill Post. He lived a full life. He's 96. 96. Yeah, yeah. that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Okay. I wonder uh, how many Pop-Tarts he ate. You know what? I can't, we can't. Didn't we do uh, someone passing away yesterday as well? Yeah, Calvin Kipton. We're not going to mook out this. Mook out, yeah. It's a hard. <laughs> hey, it's a hard segue for you, intern Jack, but you're up. <laughs> He's like, I also learned somebody passed away. <laughs> that poor guy. <laughs> I mean, he had a full life. He did, yeah. He created a breakfast treat that everybody loves. Mm-hmm. And he What's your favorite pop What's your favorite flavor? You like the chocolate one? I, are they even flavors or just colors? Aren't they? Well, there's chocolate. I gotta say that's Stress one of the brown. things I'm most in, uh, jealous about from Americans. Like whenever I go to the states, Americans have like six billion different pop tart flavors, and in Canada we got yeah. Like, look at them; they're thriving down there. <laughs> they are <laughs> bunch, of, bunch of healthy people, right? Yeah. But in Canada we got like four, or Our five, or terrible. something. We have look at all the choices of pop tarts. We have a whole freaking aisle in the states devoted to pop tarts. Mm-hmm. I want you to run for office one day solely on <laughs> pop culture and pop foods, like as being your main platform. Like, if elected, in- I will bring every American pop tart flavor to Canada. All That's those Mountain right. Dew flavors—they're coming to Canada. Yeah, it's like I'm bringing a Shake Shack. 
Jack here. Who Both cares if it shortens your life expectancy yeah. by several decades or so? Uh, by the way, taxes are going up to pay for our health care. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but it's we a get give and take in politics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, intern Jag, you're up. You need to tell us what you learned over the last 24 hours in sports. Oh, what I learned is on Monday, after their loss to the San Antonio Spurs, Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors, he left the bench with three seconds yeah, remaining in the game. And former Raptor Pascal Siakam also did this once during his time in Toronto as well. He was suspended one game for doing so. Now, as a young leader, you know, Siakam's gone from the team. So the onus is now on Scotty Barnes to be as that young leader to his team. And there's three seconds remaining. Look, I know there's not much time remaining in the game, but for those guys who barely get any playing time, you got to be there as the bench leader for them. And I know Raptors fans are going to be, you know, coming after me for saying this, but LeBron James has done this at times when the Lakers have lost, but I feel like LeBron James has earned the privilege to do so. So this was the this was the Wemby game, right? Yes. This is the one where Wemby had the triple-double with the blocks that we did for what we learned. And then Barnes, like, at least he owned up to it, right? He, he, he apologized yes. and said it was a bad look. I, I am surprised that there's no punishment coming. Because it was that, like, that would that would have been a team suspension though, right? Yeah. Or an M, not an no, NBA it would have been a team suspension, suspension. Yeah, yeah. or a team punishment anyway. Right. Okay, but, um, yeah, because it was a, it was weird because like it's not like the Raptors have been in a lot of tight games. You be used to losing at this point. Like I don't know why that loss was any more frustrating than the other ones. And this season, you know, Barnes is just his uh, his body language as well. It's not been the same as it was his rookie season. His rookie season, he was phenomenal. And don't get me wrong, this player like he has a lot of expectations being uh, the top player on the only team in Canada, right? But still, as a leader, it's your it's your job and it's your duty to, you know, be a, someone who can fill the role for these young players as well and, you know, be as a leader, act as a leader, and you leaving the bench with three seconds to go. It's not a lot of time, but staying till the final buzzer is something that's really, it shouldn't be, it shouldn't have to be a rule. It's one of those unwritten rules that we see in, throughout all the sports. And I know Siakam got suspended a game, so I'm surprised why Barnes wouldn't face any uh, They've lost their culture there. Speaking of Pascal. Maybe, maybe he had to go bowling. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of, somewhat. Uh, speaking of Pascal, uh, he's back tonight. Video yes. tri- there's a video tribute for Pascal as he makes his return to Toronto tonight. Well, I hope there's a video tribute. Well, they give everyone video yeah. tribute. Yeah. Nah. No, I know, but like, can you imagine if they didn't? <laughs> just, they just pan the camera to like, wave, that's it. Um, Moo Cow. My favorite video tribute of the year is the, the Rangers gave Tyler Mott one. I still love that. He played like 33 games for the Rangers. Six seconds? I mean, it was a short one, and it was more just a wave on the big screen. But mm. he got one, which is good. We, we we need to stamp out all these video tributes. You think it's too much, eh? Yeah, a thousand percent. You know what? I'm yeah. kind of, I, I don't, it kind of feels like old man shaking fist at clouds, yeah. but I kind of agree it's with It's not going to keep me up at night, but. They, but they, they need to have a standard. Mm-hmm. Right? They need to have a bar. You can't just start giving these out to everybody. Just right? one single, like, I will remember you, and just end it there. No, nothing. Just single like, hey, what you know what used to happen? You'd be like, oh, there's Tyler Mott. He plays for the Rangers. Give him a nice handshake and move on? Nothing. No handshake. Wow. I don't even need that. Well, I'm in the stands watching. I can't. Well, you can make an effort. <laughs> <laughs> Tyler, remember there. me? Hey. No. <laughs> uh, okay, where are we here? Uh, we are going to fire up the dot matrix. Going to get to the Humanoid What We Learns and do the $100 gift card giveaway. Uh, what We Learned Humanoid Edition is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at getfireplan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! 
As mentioned, we're giving away a $100 gift card to Primetime Bridge Brewing for the best what we learned. Andy has already given out the honors, given out the award. The winner knows who he is. All we need to do now is read the submission. So I'll read it. It's Nathan and and Comox. What we learned, Dakota Joshua is quickly becoming a priority for getting a deal done while he's still relatively affordable, more so than some other notables on the team. Despite no longer needing to wear my Canucks, this team makes me drink hoodie. (laughs) I am sure I could find another reason to enjoy $100 worth of the surprisingly delicious primetime Yeah, they make you drink for a good reason now. Yeah, because it tastes Celebratory beers. That is a very, very good text, Nathan, because I do wonder if the Canucks will have some conversations with Dakota Joshua. Um, Now, Joshua, at the end of the season, will be well within his rights to go out and seek the best deal he could possibly sign. This is not a guy that's made a ton of money in the NHL, so he can set himself up. And he could go out there, and I could see some team giving him, I don't know, $3 million a year for three or four years. I mean, he, he, he if is, he keeps this going, it's going to be more. Well, regardless, you know, like you could see him doing that. Um, and I could see that being a tough decision for the Canucks. I see a lot of people texting in that say, oh, he'll just be replaced by Pod Colson. Uh, no, he won't. I wouldn't go there. Because Dakota Joshua um, took some time to get to the level he's at by playing in the NHL. Pod Colson isn't even killing penalties down in the AHL, which I was kind of surprised at, actually, mm-hmm. talking to a few people. Um, you know, he, he's doing things that Pod Colson isn't doing and has never done, right? To just say, like, oh, Pod Colson, he'll keep improving and he'll be able to replace Dakota Joshua on what's been a really good line for the Canucks this season. Like, that. That's first. First of all, that's un, unfair expectations on Pod Colson. Yeah, I don't think anyone should ever be tasked with like replacing a really good player, especially they've been down in the AHL. That never seems to end well. You you fill a void. You don't replace a player. I think those are two different things. You're going to bring different things too, yeah. right? Like you like there's like there's a spot on our third line, the third line. Like is Pod Colson going to rack up as many hits as Dakota Joshua? I doubt it. Is he going to be as good a penalty killer? Well, but if he is, he's going to have to ramp it up pretty quick because he's not even doing it in the HL. You're 100% right that he, if he goes to market, I, I know how the NHL works. I've seen this before. He's 27 years old. He's got no tread on the tires. He's barely played 150 NHL games. He's 6'3". He's 206. He hits, he fights, and he's probably going to score 20 goals this year. Yeah, and he kills penalties. And he's probably as close to a power forward as you're going to get in a league where those guys are becoming fewer and fewer. Mm-hmm. Man, like there's going to be a team that I could see a team doing like four over four on the guy. But don't you think if you if you were the Canucks, you might be tempted to call up his agent and be like, hey, is he happy here? Does he like it here? I would have been tempted to do it a while ago. Yeah, I wouldn't even let it get to this point. He's too good now. Because you're kind of you're, you're kind of like, hey, we you let's you might just acknowledge it. It'd be part of the negotiation. Like you can go out on the market and maybe get an extra half a million dollars per season, mm-hmm. um, but. You, you wouldn't a good... be a member of the third line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, well you've got a good thing point. going here, right? Yeah. True. You got you a might coach. Not find this success you got a elsewhere. coach that believes in you. Uh, you got a fit that's obvious here. Mm-hmm. Uh, now Joshua might be like, "Well, will Bluger and Garland be back here?" He might. You know what else he might also be wondering? 
Like, hey, as much as I love being part of this third line, am I ever going to get a shot in the top six? Yeah, that's a good point. Like, uh, am I ever going to be, or do you just see me as a bottom six guy? Because I think that's actually a huge question that the coaching staff might have to answer or at the very least experiment with. We did a segment earlier in the show where we were talking about, despite all the great things that have happened to the Canucks, what are your main concerns? What do you think, if you were the coaching staff or you're the management, what would be worried about? And Mm -hmm. most people, the majority, not everyone, but the majority said the top six, especially five on five. If you're Dakota Joshua or you're Connor Garland, you're like, hey, uh, could I be part of this solution? Mm -hmm. But there's been such an understandably such a, lack of willingness to break up that line that those guys aren't even really in consideration, but I wonder if they, I wonder if they should be. Uh, West end Mike with a, what we learned hashtag WWL. I love this as hosts of the plus minus show. That is a good name for our show. I'm the plus, uh, you might appreciate the fact that the Canucks only have one current roster player who is a minus on the season. That player is clearly the worst defensive player on the team. Elias Lindholm. <laughs> I say we let him have the Bud Light trophy and give the rest of the team the more highly coveted primetime plus minus trophy. Yeah, so I'm really excited about this. Yesterday I talked about wanting to bring plus minus, like make plus minus great again. I want that to be a stat that we pay attention to and we utilize. And, you know, it used to be the Bud Light Award, but now with primetime on board from Bridge Brewing, we can make it the primetime plus minus award. Uh, several people have pointed out that Philip Horonic is the leader for the NHL's primetime plus minus award. We also had last night, Andre Kopitar became the first Selkie winner ever to finish minus six in an NHL game. More plus minus talk. And uh, a couple of people went in the Wayback Machine and they remembered that uh, a former winner of the Bud Light Plus Minus Award, former Canucks defenseman Merrick Malik. Harry, remember him? Isn't his kid a goalie? His kid is a goalie. Yeah, that's right. He, he's he's like, you're tall, him. you're going to goal. Well, he saw, he saw his Malik. dad's penalty shot goal, and he was scarred for life. He's like, I'm never allowing that to happen. Yeah, I was going to say, Merrick Malik, it's like anytime I think Merrick Malik, I always think that penalty shot goal. He was a wild Me too. I, forever yeah. tied to that moment. Well, now yeah. he's the plus minus guy. It almost seemed dangerous him doing it with how tall he is. It's yeah. <laughs> true. Like if he got his stick tangled up between his legs, he might have just tripped right through the boards. Yeah. The coach, he's like, Merrick, it's too risky. He's like, I must. Can I go back to Dakota Joshua for a you second? You can go back to Dakota Joshua. The situation kind of reminds me of another player, and it's Tanner Janelle in Tampa Bay. Does he not have that potential to go to another market you know and what? just completely lose the flair that he has? You know what I think of when I think of a player that goes to another market and Halford's brought this up a few times. Yannick Hansen. Yannick Hansen. Yeah, sometimes the fit just doesn't work. Tanner Janot and Yannick Hansen are good pulls. Yep. I and, was and you mentioned you about... talked to Hansen, right? And he said, you asked him why it didn't work. He said, I don't know. I felt like a just jerk asking him, like, how come your career petered out there, right? Like, it was not the nicest question to ask, but I, I was very curious. Factual. I just assumed that it would work, but yeah, Janot's a good one. That is a good one. J and OK Falls, hashtag WWL, what we learned. The Orlando Magic retired Shaq's number 32 last night. Yeah, first ever jersey retired by the Orlando Magic. Can you believe that Shaq only played four years for the Magic? There's a 30 for 30 on this. I suggest everyone go watch it. That's actually really good because I, you, I, you don't really understand the Shaq phenomenon when he came out until you go back and look at the... He was an international icon. Like he had a video like, game and a movie in I the know. same year. And Shaq Fu. Going to or like you've been to He or, just seems so 
dominant. Yeah. Because he was. But he went to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And they're like, Orlando was known for nothing other than Disney. Like, it was a totally forgettable city. Yeah. And they didn't have any professional sports at the time. They mm-hmm. had like the solar pairs or have something. Have you guys seen right? Kazam? Remember, remember Kazam? He's the genie. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's yeah. keep it on track. Let's there. try and focus here. Shaq's <laughs> acting skills are not the focus, I think. He had, a, he had an album. That's right. He did. Yeah, he did it. He, he did a uh, he did a, a song with uh, Notorious B.I.G. If I'm not That's mistaken. Right. Yeah. Anyway, point being, two th- very deep voices. Yes, Shaq's got a very deep voice. Okay. Uh, see, see what you did, Adolf. Damn it. Now like, we're all... just, Have you seen Kazam? <laughs> anyway, go watch the hey, document. Go watch the documentary because I think a lot of people forget. Oh, go watch the Kazam. Shaq era. Okay. <laughs> how did he? Even... How did he leave Orlando again? He wanted out. He, just, he, he had the free agency too. He was they, just like, I've been to made, Disney World a hundred times. They I'm made, so sick of so it. So that's a big part of the documentaries. Was like, this was like, they had this great situation going with him and Penny. Mm-hmm. And they managed to screw it up because they kind of tried to play hardball and they didn't just give Shaq everything that he wanted. Right? Like and now with the Supermax and everything, you just pay your stars the max. Dare I say Supermax. Super but there was, they actually tried to negotiate and Shaq was like, what are you kidding me? And then it created a rift, and then he's mm. like, you know where I'm going to go? Los Angeles. <laughs> Let me get this straight, though. Four years at the start of his career, Yep. enough to get his number retired. But eight years in his prime, Luongo, not enough to get his number retired. Okay. I'll just leave it at that. <sighs> Ruff, do you want to counter? Yeah. I want to counter with HR and conversation <laughs> about you. Yeah. Juan from Colmox, uh, speaking of stadiums, we were talking about Major League Baseball stadiums. What I learned is there's potential of a soccer stadium close to the Hastings racetrack. Yeah, this was firing around on social media. Did you dig into this at all? uh, A a little bit. Okay. Um, (laughs) There's a racetrack joke there. I mean. (laughs) Yeah. No way they're replacing my home. That's where my stable is. Um, I talked to several tenants. (laughs) it, It sounds like. Big time speculation. Okay. And I think for them, so the idea would be that (laughs) the way it was written, and I think it was written on like Van Ramblings, which is maybe like a civic politics blog. There's a lot. Something like that. I've lost track. I I apologize if I got that name wrong. I am not. Vancouver is awesome. There's Van City News. I'm not deep into the civic politics, but apparently um, there is an idea out there that they would redevelop BC Place um, and the province owns that land. Yep. And then they would build a new stadium on city-owned land at the PE. And the timeline that I read was like really aggressive. Like the Whitecaps would be in there in 2027, um, which would, I don't know. It just sounds aggressive considering how long things take to get built in Vancouver and all the planning that goes into it. Be a cool location though. I suppose it's possible uh well not re- well it would be a problem from a transit perspective like yeah that like was the sky pro- train doesn't it was go the problem when they, it was the problem yeah. when they played at Empire was yeah. it was hard to get harder to harder to get to yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. it definitely would be hard bu- to get it was all buses and yeah. I remember There's trying a- to get a cab out of there and like it was not easy. So It's not a great entertainment district around there either. No. Like so the one pub that was there is closed. Rest in peace, Oscar's Pub. So I asked someone about it who knew a little more than me, and they were like, "Yeah, that's possible. Maybe in like twenty years or something, or something like that." But I do, 
I do wonder – the Whitecaps could always go their separate way and try to build a stadium. They've done it before, but then you get into a mix of the of the politics and it does become complicated. I, I, I think BC Place is where the Lions and the Whitecaps are probably going to be playing for quite a while now. Prove me wrong, politicians, I guess. Prove me wrong, kids. Prove me wrong. All right. What a better way to go out than with the Simpsons drop. We got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A-Dog. He's been Laddie. He's been Intern Jag. This has been the Halford and Bruff Show. Have you seen Kazam? (laughs) Look at the text inbox. That's every text right now. Shaq's movie career. (laughs) We will be back tomorrow, I think. We have been the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.